Welcome to the Verse by Verse podcast, a ministry of the Friendship Congregational Bible Church. I'm Richard Church, the teacher on Verse by Verse, and I'm glad you've joined with us today as we study together God's infallible word, verse by verse. You know, we're, we're fortunate we live in a day and age and in a place where Bibles are plentiful. Um, we, you know, it's most homes, I think it's probably true, most homes still have a Bible. Uh, some of them probably have it packed away somewhere where they haven't seen it for years. But I, I would bet it's probably still true that most homes have a Bible somewhere. That hasn't always been true. You know, you go back before, before printing was common and there were some churches that didn't even have a Bible. And a lot of the churches, they would have one Bible and they a lot of times had it in kind of the, the, the vestibule or the entryway of the church there. And if you wanted to go and read the Bible, you went to the church and you stood there and read that Bible. And it was usually chained to a, to a, you know, a pulpit or something. So somebody wouldn't steal it because the, you know, I mean, they had to be copied out by hand, right? That was a pretty valuable thing that probably took, took, uh, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of hours, man hours of work to, to put together and they were very expensive and everybody didn't just have a Bible in their home. We've got Bibles everywhere and that's a great thing. The Word of God is everywhere, but it means that in, in some ways we kind of regard the Bible as being kind of common. We, we maybe, we maybe lose some of the, some of the importance of really what it is when we come to God's Word that we are dealing with the Word of God. You understand that, that God, when you begin the book of Genesis, it's God's Word that actually forms this whole creation that we live in, right? God spoke and things happened. God said, let there be light and out of, out of nothing light comes, right? That's the power of the Word of God and, and we have it here in a book. Now, you know, you aren't going to, you aren't going to call things into existence by reading the Word of God, but there's power in that Word of God. There's power to take uh, a dead, lost sinner and give them life and make them a part of the body of Christ and, and join them to Christ and raise them from the dead spiritually. That's the power that's in the Word of God. Maybe it's something we ought to get out and read once in a while, right? And get serious about it and, and, and learn it and study it and, and take it and take the words off the page and put them down into our heart where they can do some good and, and make some difference. What a privilege we have to have God's Word. And you know, you have the completed Word of God. You know, there's no more of the Bible yet to be written. It's, it's complete. Uh, when, when the last words of the New Testament were penned in the first century, the Bible was complete. You realize Moses didn't have the complete Word of God. Um, you know, uh, Daniel didn't have the complete Word of God. King David didn't have the complete Word of God. They had, they had part of it, you know. They had up to what had been written to that time. We've got the completed Word of God. Um, and the Bible is filled with truth and, and with things that God 
wants for us to know and that we need to know. That we need to know if we're going to live a life that's going to reflect who Christ is. Because if the Bible is a revelation of God, if the Bible is a revelation of Christ, as we take that word, we take it in, it changes us and transforms us, and we start to reflect who Christ is. Okay? Now, that's, a, that's an important thing to understand the authority that the Bible has. Because that, that written Word of God, when it comes to, to matters of, you know, of morality, right and wrong, uh, when it comes to spiritual matters, the only way we, we can know anything is because the Bible says it. And the Bible is authoritative, right? I mean, part of that idea of the name of God is the authority that He has, and again, His Word's been magnified above His name. God's Word has the same authority that God has. So that if God tells me something in His Word, it has the same authority as if I were standing right before God and He were telling me that thing. Okay? Um, you know, if, if uh, God tells me in His Word to... Uh, uh, you know, let them that stole steal no more, but henceforth let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to, to him that has not. Uh, that's God telling me that. Right? And that's just as authoritative as if God were standing right here speaking those, those words to me. Do we, do we think that way when we approach the Word of God? I think, I think often we lose that in our mind. Uh, you know, if you were to stand before God, uh, first of all, there's not many people that stand before God anyway, because when God does even reveal part of Himself to somebody, usually their first reaction is to fall on their face, right? Um, but, but if God were to stand in front of you and He were to tell you something to do, would you, you know, would you, uh, do it or would you not do it? <laughs> Would you, would you rebelliously say, no, God, I'm not, I'm not going to do that today? Um, would you neglect that thing? Would you walk away and just forget you ever said it and, and, you know, go on as, as you were? Um, I think probably, uh, in those circumstances, most of us would do what God says. But we have the same thing when we come to the Bible, right? And, you know, with, with that said, there's a lot of things you have to, you have to understand about the Bible. And sometimes, I mean, there's some issues where it can be, it can be, uh, you know, somewhat challenging maybe to discern what the will of God is or what God would have you to do. But if you start with that mindset that the Bible is going to be my authority, uh, a lot of those things can work themselves out. If you start with that mindset that I want my life to reflect what God says in, in His Word. Now, you understand, we live in a body of flesh. We still have a, an old man that oftentimes we allow to, to uh, control us in such a way that we don't reflect um, what God says in His Word. Uh, you understand that? That's a lifelong struggle that every believer will have. The most mature believer struggles with that flesh. But 
we have the we have the opportunity to acknowledge where the authority is. You realize that that the authority is not me. The authority is not Pastor Tim. There's a you know there's an authority certainly that goes along with being a, a pastor or leader in a in a local church. But you realize where the ultimate authority is. The ultimate authority is is God's word, right? And and uh, so you know in in understanding that. Uh, when we spend time in God's Word, and I hope you spend time in God's Word, you know, the Bible is something that uh, in, in uh, some passages, the Bible likens itself to bread, to food. Now, you probably don't go a full day without eating some food, right? Most people. And if you do, you don't go very many days without eating some food. And probably for most of us, we don't go very many hours without eating some food. Right? Uh, you know that, that Job said about the Word of God, he said that I have esteemed it more than my necessary food. You know, we start going a few hours without food and we start to think about where's, where's that next meal going to come from? But Job says... I'm, I'm going to esteem the Word of God even more than that. I'm going to consider it more important than that, even more than my necessary food. Now, you know, we, we esteem that food because you don't feel good if you don't eat, and if you don't eat long enough, your your uh, health is going to be affected, and, and you know, you can't, uh, you can't live very long without eating something. Now, you can live physically, you can live out the rest of your life and never read the Bible again. And in fact, if you're a saved person, you're eternally secure. You could put down that Bible, never pick it up again, go the rest of your life never reading the Bible, and even spend eternity in heaven if you believe the Gospel. You could do that. But when a person believes the Gospel, you become a, a part of a new life. See, there's a new life in Christ. And while you can do that, why would you ever want to do that? You know, why would you want to go the rest of your life just, just separating yourself from the riches of truth that God's put in His Word? Uh, no, the Bible is something that we need to be, we need to be diligent about. And, you know, it can be, it can be difficult to get into the habit of spending time every day or, or throughout the day in God's Word. There's no doubt about that, that it can be difficult to do it. But we should, we should take that viewpoint that Job had, that the Bible is necessary to me. It's not just something I enjoy. It's not just something, you know, you, you can enjoy the Bible, enjoy studying the Bible. But... We should view it as something that is necessary to us. Our spiritual life cannot be healthy without the food of God's Word. And now again, you know, in, in, there can be uh, situations and issues where it might be difficult to discern the will of God. I mean, certainly you understand that the Bible is something that has to be rightly divided. You can't just pick and choose what parts of the Bible you want to believe and what parts you want to reject, but you do understand that God has given some different instructions at different times. Right? There are things in God's Word that aren't necessarily intended for you to obey. When God told Israel in the Old Testament to bring an animal sacrifice, uh, the response of faith 
was for them to bring an animal sacrifice. If you were today to, to sacrifice an animal and think that you were serving God, um, I mean, that would, that would be really sin against God because He tells you not to do that. And so you realize that when you study the Bible, you can't just pick a passage at random. You know, that's how some people read the Bible. They kind of do this. They hold up their Bible and they, they go like this. And, okay, God, show me, show me what, what you have for me today. And they go like this and they open it up and they put their finger on the page and they say, Jeremiah 32, 13, and I charged Baruch before them saying, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. And they say, what could God possibly mean by that? That's not the way that you come to the Bible. Right? That's not the way you learn the Bible or, or study the Bible. Um, the Bible is something, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, turn over there. Right before the, the passage that we started in is our text in 2 Timothy 3. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Paul is, is uh, also talking about the, the suffering that goes along with serving the Lord, the, the hardness that there is to be endured if you're going to be faithful to the Lord. He says in uh, verse 14, after he talks about how uh, you know there's there's rewards and loss of rewards for how we how we live our lives, he says in Second Timothy chapter two verse 14. Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord, that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. You know, you have to be, you have to be careful uh, in who you listen to regarding the Bible. Uh, you know that the devil knows the Bible. When, when uh, Satan wanted to tempt the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, what did he use to try and do it? Didn't he use Scripture? Right? Didn't he quote Scripture to Christ? And how did Christ counteract that? He quoted Scripture in return. You know that, that uh, Scripture is described in Ephesians 6 as being the sword of the Spirit. It is a, it is a weapon that you have to fight the battle that, uh, that is going on. So, but he says, he says to, you know, remind people about these things. Don't just strive about words to no profit. And that's sometimes what, what some people do in Bible study as well, is they, they strive about words to no profit. But um, verse 15 says, instead of doing that, verse 15 says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. You see, he says, study to show thyself approved unto God. A, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Now the idea there is, uh, you know, a workman, somebody who's building something, they have a plan that they're working off of. And if the finished product is going to match what they, what they were supposed to build, they better follow that plan. They better study that plan. They better know it. They better know how the pieces go together, how the, how the components come together, and what configuration to put them in. And he says here that that's the way we're to approach the, the Bible. 
We're to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. If the workman doesn't study that, that plan and that pattern, his finished work is, is not going to be something to be proud of. Right? It's not going to work in the way it's intended. Here he says, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, and he says, you do that by rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, he doesn't say there that you need to divide between truth and error. Certainly you need to do that. But here he says you need to divide the word of truth. There are some things in the Bible that God may have said to, you know, to somebody in a, a previous dispensation that don't necessarily apply today. Animal sacrifices being an example. You have to rightly divide God's word. You have to, you have to determine. The way, the way you do that is really not not anything that complicated. You know, you look at who's speaking, to whom, at what time, what's the, what's the context, right? Um, so that, so you can understand there's some things that God commanded before the cross of Christ or before the dispensation of grace that He wouldn't necessarily have you to do today. There's a, there's a lot of things. Okay? And you divide between those things. Now that's not the same as picking and choosing. And that's not the same as, as saying, you know, if somebody were to say, um, take that issue of animal sacrifices, if they were to say, oh, you know, uh, we believe in animal rights today and therefore animal sacrifices are wrong and because of that we're not, we're not going to follow those verses. That's, that's the wrong thinking. The reason animal sacrifices are done away is not because Somebody might care more about animal rights today. The reason animal sacrifices are done away is because of something God did in sending His Son as the perfect sacrifice that those things are no longer needed. You see, it's, it's not that what God desires of us just sort of changes with the times as culture around us, around us changes, but it is true that God has changed certain things at certain times. Uh, I was talking with a, a man recently, and uh, he was asking about uh, some of these some of these verses in Timothy that talk about uh, women not teaching in the church, right? And uh, and he said that in his opinion, uh, women make better pastors than men, and that that uh, that. That verse, he's saying that's just the culture that they lived in. Now, whether or not women would make better, better teachers than men isn't the issue. That's not the issue. The issue is what does the scripture say, right? And the scripture doesn't say that, that women can't teach because they're not capable of teaching. It doesn't say women can't teach because they're inferior to men. These are these are kinds of things that people impose on what the Scripture says. Um, really what the Scripture points to in that is it, it points to this headship that God has, has established. You know, He created man and then woman. He created, you know, Adam and then Eve. Eve is the helpmate. And that, that verse... Um, isn't just something that reflected the, the culture of that time. In fact, it doesn't even really reflect the culture of that time. Because certainly there were, you know, pagan, pagan, uh, cultures that Paul encountered where women did teach in those pagan religions. Alright? Uh, but, 
Rather, that reflects something God says in His Word. Now, even if we don't understand all of that, how it goes together, when we consider the authority of God's Word, even if we don't understand why all the reasons are, when you read a verse like that, and the Scripture says, I suffer not a woman to teach, you have to accept it as authoritative in God's Word. You can't, there's no, there's no dispensational change there. I mean, you know, these letters to Timothy are some of the last books written in the Bible. There's nothing that comes later that says, oh, that instruction doesn't apply anymore. And even though that might be somewhat unpopular in our culture, it, it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of things in the Word of God that are unpopular in our culture. And I give that just, just as an example of, of one of these things. This, this man, what he was willing to do is he was willing to say, because of some things in his experience, that, that, that he could just choose not to believe that verse or not to follow that verse or to say, oh, that was just their culture and since culture has changed, now we don't have to follow that instruction. Because when you start to do, do that, well, what if the culture becomes uh, accepting of theft? Does that mean theft becomes okay and it's no longer wrong to steal? What if the culture becomes more accepting of adultery? Uh, does that mean adultery suddenly becomes okay? You see the slippery slope you start on. And where you wind up is you wind up saying, well, I'm the authority to say which parts of the Bible apply to me instead of God being the authority of of who says what applies, right? And and so these are things to be very careful about. Now, again, that doesn't mean that every issue is cut and dried, but the reality is most issues are pretty cut and dried from the Word of God. Most of the issues that people argue about uh, every day, issues about you know culture and morality and, and politics and, and these things, the reason people argue about them is because a lot of people are not submitting to any authority or the authority of God's Word. Uh, the, the message that's reinforced over and over and over again in our society is that every individual is their own authority. You make your own truth. What, what works for you is, is good for you, and what's true to me is true to me. And that's something that is in, in uh, complete opposition to God's Word. And so... One of the reasons I think sometimes we we don't spend the time that we ought in the Word of God is because we're afraid God might tell us to do something that we don't want to do, <laughs> you know. Uh, and we think that by ignorance we'll, we'll be okay. I can just say, "Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know you wanted me to do that, or I didn't know you didn't want me to do this thing in my life." That's there's no excuse. Uh, and it's certainly no excuse in the day and age in which we live where we, we have that word. And, and so I'm not saying that you should approach the Bible as just, uh, you know, just this list of rules and regulations. If you spend, if you spend time in God's word, what you're gonna find is you're gonna find a wealth of truth there that will speak to every area of your life and it'll transform your life. And it'll bring joy and peace into your life because you can, you can recognize the, the goodness of God in recognizing His authority. And, and that's a lot of times the problem, is that we might, we might kind of uh, theoretically uh, believe in the authority of God, but sometimes we question His goodness. Sometimes we question not whether He has the authority to say something, but whether it's really good, we, 
we would, we probably wouldn't admit that out loud a lot of times, but but it, that's the case sometimes. You know, we see some instruction and, and that God gives, and we think that might be good for somebody else, but I'm not sure that's good for me. And we call into question the goodness of God when the reality is everything God tells us in His Word is for our good. And um, that's you know that's why that's why that's why we're a Bible church. Okay, it's not a it's not a uh, you know a church creed or a, or a confession that is the authority. It's not a a pope that's the authority. It's the word of God Himself that He's written and inspired. And we didn't talk about preservation, but that He's preserved for us that we can put our trust in. And if we really believe that God is good, we can believe that what He tells us in His Word is good and is good for us. And you know, there's great peace that comes when, when you submit to the authority of God. And, and you recognize God for who He is and His Word for what it is. It, it can raise some questions sometimes, you know, and, and when the Bible comes into conflict with something maybe that, that, uh, we were taught by our parents or taught by a church or taught, you know, there's, there's, uh, some conflict that comes up there. But understand where the authority is. And that's in, in God's Word itself. And, of course, the, the, the most important thing for you to understand about that, about the Word of God, is what God has said about the work of His Son. Because it's that authority of the Word of God that first points out our sin and it shows us that we're unrighteous before God. That's a, that's a difficult thing to submit to, to understand that we're unrighteous before God, that we, we can't be good enough to have eternal life. But then you learn from God's Word that He sent His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to pay the price for that sin. And there is no sin that you've ever committed or ever will commit today or tomorrow or next week or next year there is no sin that was not paid for by Christ on the cross of Calvary. And God has said that for anybody who will trust what Christ did, He will give you eternal life as a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't pay for it. If you had to pay for it, you wouldn't have enough to pay for it. Uh, you can't get it in that way. You can't be good enough to have eternal life. And God cannot just overlook sin because He's just. But He's provided a way in Christ that His justice is satisfied, that Jesus Christ paid the penalty that you and I owe. Christ didn't have any sin of His own to pay for, but He paid for your sin and my sin on the cross of Calvary. And we, when we trust what Christ did for us, God says, I give you eternal life and I count you as righteous. He takes and crosses out that sin debt in the, in the, uh, records of heaven and he writes in righteousness and he get, puts it to your account. And we can thank God for that. Now if we don't recognize the authority of God's word, none of that means anything. Okay? But that's what God says in his word. And uh, what a, what a uh, blessing it is to go from not being sure what's going to happen when you die to knowing that you have eternal life. Because that's, that's the, uh, the mindset of the believer. 
the believer knows they have eternal life. There's no, there's no uh, guessing about it or, or, you know, just hoping it might happen because God's Word is the authority and it says that all those who believe in Christ have eternal life. Let's close there with prayer. Lord God, we thank You for these things from Your Word. We pray that we would give it the proper place in our lives and that You would, uh, through Your Holy Spirit that dwells in believers, that You would help us to understand that Word, how to apply it. Uh, we pray that we wouldn't be rebellious, that when we come to something that we see in, in Your Word and, and we rightly divide it and we see that it applies to us, that we wouldn't be resistant or, or hesitant to follow what you tell us there, that we would be just as obedient uh, towards your word as if you were standing standing in front of us, speaking those words to us audibly. And uh, we, we thank you that you've given us this book, this book that you've magnified above your name. And uh, we, we uh, pray that we would not only learn it ourselves, but share it with others. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today. And I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com. Thank you for joining us today, and our prayer is that this program would be a blessing to you in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's grace.